0: When the second chapter of Rus, Pasek Tezvov, we had just learned that Rus was collecting uh, grain and wheat, uh, barley, stalks of barley in the, in the field of Boyaz. She didn't know who Boyaz was. And when Boyaz found out who she was, he introduced himself and he said, I want to thank you for what you did for your mother-in-law, and for your husband's family. And also he praised her for her conversion, that she came and joined the covenant of the Jewish people. Then it mentions that in the middle of the day, um, there was time to eat lunch, take a little break, siesta, as they call it. And Boyaz invited her to come to the table where all his workers were sharing a meal with Boyaz. And it says there in the, in the Pasuk, kali. he gave her these uh, grilled um, uh, barley, grains of barley, and she ate and she left over. The lo, That means he gave her a small amount. Yitzbot means he gave her but it's a small amount. So it's like uh, between these two fingers or something. Something very small. Why did he give her a small, I mean, where's the generosity? So Mephoshim say that, you know, Ruth was a young, beautiful woman, and, and he didn't want people to suspect that he's trying to favor her, because, uh, because not to, to arouse any suspicion that he has some self, selfish interests in this relationship. But There's a fascinating midrash, which many of the Mephoshim address, the Medrash says, a person should always do a mitzvah with a whole heart, Believe Sholem. And the Medrash gives th- an example of three people that did a good deed and they did it with a whole heart. The first one is Reuven. When the brothers of Yosef tried to kill Yosef, and what did Reuven do? He saved him. He said to them, What? What are we going to gain from killing Yosef? Why don't we just put him in this pit? And the Torah attests that Reuven's intentions was that when the brothers go away, he'll come and take, him out, take Yosef out of the pit and bring him back to his father. Now Reuven's actions was meant to stall the plan. He didn't want to just take Yosef away from his brothers and take him straight back to his father. He, he wanted to sort of do it in a more surreptitious way. To trick them, to say, hey, let's throw him in the pit. Why kill him with our own hands? Let him die there from the, 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 the elements, you know, the snakes and the, and just from starvation, but we won't be the ones to kill him directly. Says the, but the, but the Torah testifies that Reuben's intention was to really save them, to save Yosef. Says the Medresh, if Reuben would have known, that the Torah is going to publicize uh, his act and his intentions and that he wanted to save Yosef he would have done a lot more than that he would have taken Yosef on his shoulders and taken him back with great triumph without fear of the brothers he would just taken him back to his father that's what the Medrash says then the Medrash continues another example it says when Moshe Rabbeinu was told to go and bring, and go to Mitzrayim and redeem the Jewish people. Hashem says that Aaron your brother, don't worry, he's not jealous of you because Moshe was concerned. He's the older brother, and now he, Moshe, the younger brother, is being appointed the leader and the redeemer of the Jewish people. So Hashem says, no, no worry. He's, he's coming to, he already knows that you're coming, and he's coming to greet you. He's on his way from Mitzrayim, coming here. You'll meet him halfway. He'll see you, and he'll, I promise you that in his heart he's truly, truly rejoicing," says the Medrash, and and it, so it happened. Uh, Arna Kain came, and he, and, and, he, and he accompanied Moshe Rabbeinu back to Mitzrayim So, this says the Medrash: Il if Arna Kain would have known what the Torah attests about him and publicizes about him, he would have come to greet Moshe with tupimu be'machalas with drums and with, with all kinds of instr- musical instruments, he would make a whole parade. But he didn't know that the Torah would be recording that story, so he came in a more modest way. He came himself, and he greeted Moshe very friendly, and he invited him. But had he known that the Torah would advertise that he's he feels simcha belibay, reveal what is in his heart, he would have shown much greater simcha. And the third one is bayaz. Bayaz said he gave Rus a little bit of grain. Had he known that this sefer Rus would be written years later by Shmula Navi and would have been advertised for the entire world, he would have given her stuffed chickens and and and, and fat calves, he would have fed her to a to a feast, a royal feast. Now this madrash seems a little problematic. It begins by saying that here are three role models who did a mitzvah with all their heart. But then it ends up saying, well, had they known that this would be advertised, they would do a lot more, as if implying that these are three individuals who did things for publicity publicity would have an influence on the way they did the mitzvah. So they didn't do it with the whole heart. They did it for ulterior motives because they felt they're doing something good and, um, and they did care about what other people think of them. So it seems to be a contradiction and also it's a denigration of these three great you know, individuals that are being glorified in our, in our tradition. And here we were saying something so denigrating about them. So there are several interpretations. So this same thing with many of the Polish uh, Rebbes, they say something very beautiful. See, so the Pshat in the Midrash is like this. <clears throat> the Midrash is saying that Aaron Akhain, Ruven, and Boyars were not the type of people to be influenced by publicity. Because had they been influenced by publicity, then if they had known that this act was publicized, will be publicized later and recorded forever in Tanakh, they would have done a lot more. Since they're motivated by what other people think, they would have done this in a, in a much greater way. In other words, they didn't do it for that reason. In other words, they didn't seek any publicity. In other words, it didn't cross their mind that one day this will be publicized or not. A person who is by nature always doing things and wants approval of others, always thinks, no, if people would know this, right? People that are driven by such motives will try to do things more and more so that there would be, maybe one day, they'd be credited with, a, with, a, with, a, with this great act. But these people didn't think about at all what other people think. They did it just because it's a mitzvah. So that's one pshat. The Al-Sheikh HaKadosh says a very interesting pshat, a fascinating pshat. He says the pshat is like this. All three of them wanted to do the mitzvah b'leif shalom. That's what the medrash starts off saying. These are three examples that do a mitzvah with an entire heart they gave it everything they've got but they take grew in Ruven had Ruven saved Yosef right away and taken him straight back to his father instead of throwing him to the pit which in the end ended up when he came back Yosef wasn't there anymore he was sold as a slave but in his heart he wanted to save him why didn't Ruven take him back like, if he did it with a whole heart he should have just insisted and taken Yosef back. The point is that Ruven was worried that his act would be seen by the brothers as a self-interest act. Why? Because Yosef's dream was that all 11 brothers will bow down to him. That includes Ruven. Now, as we know, Ruven had done an, an act which had uh, aroused the... Um, Admonition of his father with a bed of his mother with Leah and Bilhah. And for a moment, for a while, Ruben was afraid that he'll be ostracized from this sacred union of the family of the 12 Shvatim. He wouldn't be part of the 12 Shvatim, as we know from Drashim. Ruvin was worried. So um, when Yosef had his dream, which included eleven brothers, eleven stars. That means Reuven was included. So for Ye- Reuven, for there was an interest in seeing Yosef's dreams as true, as true nevuah, because that would have exonerated him from what he did, what he had done. So it would have been seen by the brothers, Ah, Reuven is saving him because yeah, because he likes Yosef and he wants to see Yosef as a true prophet whose dreams truly tell the future, so that this way he can be exonerated from what he had done. Rubin was very sensitive to that, so he didn't want to come across that he's on Yosef's side completely, so he did it in a more surreptitious way. But had he known that the Torah would have advertised that his true intentions was taken to save Yosef, not because of any other interest, because he truly cared as an older brother he wanted to save his younger brother then he wouldn't have cared he would have known that in the end the truth would have come out and he wouldn't have been suspected of acting in self-interest and he would have taken Yosef back same thing with Aaron HaKoyin Aaron Akrain sees his younger brother uh, being appointed as, as the leader of the Jewish people when he, Aaron HaKoyin had been the leader of the Jews in Mitzrayim it says in Chazal that Aaron HaKoyim was a Navi, and he was one of the great leaders of the Jews in Gaulis. Here Moshe Rabbeinu disappears for 40 years, and now he's a younger brother, and he's becoming the, the prominent leader. So Moshe Rabbeinu was, was rightfully concerned. He thought Aaron Kain will be jealous. He said to Hashem, Shlachma send it by my brother, not me. He's older. And Hashem says, no, 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 but don't worry. You'll be the leader, and he'll be very happy for you. Now, Aaron came from his end, when he came to see, uh, to greet Moshe Rabbeinu on his way, he thought to himself, I'm so happy for my brother, I want to show my joy, I would like to bring musical instruments, a whole band and a whole parade. But people will think, uh, this is all fake, because people will say, how can an older brother be so joyous that he has been passed over and his younger brother became the leader? So Aaron al was concerned people shouldn't interpret his actions in a bad way. You know, a person is required to keep a clean record and not to, uh, you know, avoid ha- any suspicion on him. Right? This is a, actually an obligation. We shouldn't do things that look suspicious. So people was think that Ahren al is overdoing it. It's not genuine. He's just being sort of uh, flattering his brother, but really in his heart he has a grudge and feels bad. So Aaron HaKoyin forced himself to modify his simcha Not, and didn't bring all this musical uh, instruments and accompaniment because he, he didn't want people to think that he's being disingenuous. So that's why he didn't bring... But had he known that the Torah would have later advertised that he truly felt simcha in his heart, then he would have done everything he really wanted to do, which is to bring the greatest simcha with music, with two people machilas. Same thing with Boyas. Boyas was sitting there with a group of workers, and there's this beautiful woman, and Boyas is treating her with such grace and with such generosity. So that naturally the suspicion would have been amongst young people. Ah he he's attracted to her he has an interest he's treating her nicely because he wants to gain her favor so boyaz was very sensitive to this chashad that this suspicion would be evident through his actions so therefore he gave her only a little bit but had boyaz known that the Torah would have advertised that boyaz did everything l'shem shemaim, as is evident from the story later that he wasn't interested for his own personal interest, he did it Lashay mitzvah to redeem the honor of the family, then he would have given her stuffed chickens and fat calves and would have given her a royal feast. That's the al sheikh pshat. So it's not to denigrate, it's the opposite. It's to say they did it with the whole heart. But they didn't bring tupim chiles because they were afraid that people will judge their actions in the wrong way the shlok, has a different word. So he says like this, it's not, chas Shalom the medrish is not trying to denigrate these three giants who did everything with the purest intentions. Chas Shalom to say that they did everything for public attention and for covet for honor. The pshat of the Midrish is like this, all three, Ruven, Aaron, and Boyaz made a mistake. In Reuven's case, you know, we know what the Midrashim say, what the Achrenim say, the Mephoshim say, that the the brothers of Yosef believed that Yosef is a Meret B'malchus. Yosef deserves to die because he's rebelling against the divinely established um, institution of kingship that is supposed to come from Yehuda. And he, Yosef, has established himself as a king because in his dream... He, uh, you know, portrayed himself as a, as the one that everybody's bound to, including Yehuda. So they felt this goes went against the divine designation of Yehuda as a king. Now says the the that Reuven also in his heart of hearts had a had a uh, concern, and had a suspicion that Yosef is chayiv misa. But, you know, as we know always the Sanhedrin, when they judge somebody for a crime, it says that the Sanhedrin has to do everything in their power to also try to save the person. Find some kind of a loophole, or a way of, of not really uh, executing the, the defendant. So Reuven tried his best to save him, but he felt he's, he's doing something beyond the call of duty. That means it's something lefnim <laughs> bishur according to the letter of the law Yisuf deserves to be condemned but he went beyond the letter of the law and went there to, to protect Yisuf he felt he's doing something extraordinary he didn't know how essential it was in the eyes of Hashem that Yisuf be saved that Yisuf truly will become the second in command in Egypt and Yesuf will be a um, a leader in, in another way, but uh, Reuven didn't know all that. Had Reuven known that the Torah would made such a big deal about Reuven saving him, which would have told him how important it is to save Yosef, that Yosef is not guilty, he would have done this with much greater, uh, with much greater um, demonstration, and he would have taken Yosef immediately back to his father. Same thing with Aaron Aaron Akhoyen felt like Shmuel Anavi says, when the Jews ask for a king who will lead them, Shmuel says, why do you need the leader? Hashem is your leader. Shmuel Navi felt that in a pure world, Jews don't need a human leader. They're connected to Hashem. Through their Avedis Hashem, they're very close. And Hashem is their leader. Hashem does miracles for them. They don't need humans, a human being to be a leader. So Aaron HaKoyim felt... He was waiting for the Geula, that Hashem himself will redeem them through miracles. We don't need human leaders. But since he heard that Moshe Rabbeinu is appointed by Hashem, he accepted it. But in his heart, it felt to him like something that was somewhat superfluous. There wasn't really a need for it, but this is Ratz Hashem. But had he known how the Torah makes such a big deal, and, and, and advertises how Aaron HaKoyim with Samach was very rejoiceful. Why would the Torah advertise this? The Torah wants to advertise to show how important this moment was, that here Moshe Rabbeinu was appointed the leader of Hashem and the Shliach of Hashem to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim and Aaron was coming to greet him. This is an important historic moment. He would have understood the significance of why Moshe Dafke has to be the leader, and that Torah has to be given through Moshe, and that Moshe is a very critical part of the whole process of redemption. Without Moshe Rabbeinu, there couldn't be any. as the mentions Hashem wants His Malchus, His His sovereignty, to be transmitted to the lowliest world. In order for that to happen, it has to go through Moshe Rabbeinu to be Mamshich to bring it down to the to the most human level, and that's done through a human leader. So Meishe Rabbeinu was the, the leadership of Meishe Rabbeinu, was extremely essential in the whole process of Gula, which Aaron HaKoyim didn't see quite, quite in such a way. And that's why it says, had he known how much the Torah glorified the fact that Aaron had Simcha, he would have known that this is much more than just a, an extra thing, Really, which is really not so necessary, he would have realized that how critical Moshe Rabbeinu was in the scheme of of redemption. And the same thing with Boyaz. We know it says in the Medrash, Veitzbakla Kali was a. It says that it was a um, a hint for Mashiach. Says in Medrashim that um, he was hinting that Mashiach is going to come from her. So the question is, and that's, uh, that's how the Medrashah says, it's all referring to, to, to the evolution of Mashiach through David and Shleiman. Um So the question is, Boyas thought, no, it's a nice thing that we're going to have Mashiach, but he didn't see the critical necessity of having a human leader as a redeemer when Mashiach comes. He didn't see that as such an essential thing. Wouldn't have been better if Hashem himself is our Redeemer. Just like Shmuelanov, said. And Aaron O'Kohin thought, great people who are so connected to Hashem, they they don't see the necessity. They, they, they feel connected to Hashem. They feel Hashem in their lives, and Hashem can do everything. Doesn't need human intervention. So that's why had he known... So that's why he gave her a meaning he gave her a little bit, meaning he didn't pay a lot of attention to it. He didn't give it a lot of importance. The fact that she's going to be the grandmother of Mashiach didn't seem like such an important event that will come from her that is so essential for the future of the Jewish people and the future of Jewish history. But had he known how the Torah would have advertised in great detail how he was makar of her and how he invited her to the meal, and gave her food. Had he known how the Torah had seen this important historic event of Ruth converting and becoming part of the Jewish people, and end up marrying Boaz, so that Mashiach can come from this relationship, he would have done it very differently. He would have celebrated this moment, this occasion when he met Ruth, this historic moment which was what led to the to the to the, to the birth of Mashiach. He would have celebrated this with much greater triumph with much greater much greater celebration he would have given her stuffed he would he would have offered stuffed calves and and a a royal feast let's move forward she got up from the meal Ruth and she went to collect more grain of barley. But Zappoys, as the of instructed his young man, Leimer, saying, "Not only should you let her pick up the stalks of uh, grain, stalks of uh, barley from the ground, but there's a din of shikha that if the owner of the farm forgets to gather some bundles of wheat that he had tied up after the harvest." and he collected his, his bundles of grain but he forgot one bundle behind him not allowed to go back for one bundle she said let her collect also from the bundles don't embarrass her right? maybe it was, a, you know, it was very common socially that uh, the people that worked in the field would look down at the poor people he said she comes from royalty she's a very dignified woman and we should treat her like royalty um, because they said to Boyaz, she's not going to be willing to take just anything she'll, she'll examine everything through the lens of Allah am I entitled and not entitled here he wanted them to be generous with her so he said listen Shoil to Shalo pretend to forget Minatswase from the small bundles if, if, if you know even if you didn't forget pretend that you forgot and you should abandon the, like a little bundle of, of grain. Pretend that you forgot about it. And so she can take it. And don't yell at her for taking it. Um, the Shaila is. The Mephoshim ask. Um, if she was taking a bundle of, of grain. That wasn't really shikha. That means according to Allah. Um, the poor were not entitled to. But Bayaz was willing to give it to her. That's nice. I mean it's not Gezel. He's willing to give it to her. It's fine. The only Shaila is in The is in Allah. Um, uh, normally, the, the grain which the poor are entitled to, which is lekkit, uh, individual stalks of grain that fall down, and shikra, bundles of wheat, or even uncut uh, stalks of grain that were not cut down, um, that if it was forgotten, the poor can take it. The din is that whatever the poor is entitled to under this law, doesn't have to be tithed. The poor do not have to give 10% to the Levite and 2% to the Korean. It's, it's free of, of tithing. They can eat it as it is. But if it's a gift, it wasn't part of Leket then she would have to tithe. By not telling her the truth, that this wasn't really forgotten. It was just pretended to be forgotten. It means it was a gift. It wasn't something she earned under the law of lekka, and Peya which the poor are entitled to. So she would have to take trumes and maizras. How then by, by, by pretending that they forgot it, she would not take trumes and maizras. They'll cause her to do an avera, to eat the grain without tithing. So they say that he did something else too. Not only did he say pretend, he also was mafkir, made a hafker The law is if a, if a person finds grain in a half which is ownerless, you don't have to take uh, tumas and maizus. So this way, he took care of her on all levels. But like it, but so the era, she collected in the field until the evening, and she sort of, uh, um, you know, shook off the extra impurities that are in the grain so that it wouldn't be so heavy. And um, it was like the size of an eifa of of, of 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 barley she carried it and she brought it back to the city her mother-in-law saw what she collected she took out what she had and she gave it to her that means she gave her the grains of barley but she also gave her the leftover food that uh, Boyaz had offered her during the meal and she didn't finish it, she took it home to to her mother-in-law the whole discussion. There's a halacha in the Gemara that if you're a guest in someone's house and they offer you food and you have you can't eat everything, you shouldn't take it with you home. It's not polite because the the host only meant to give you what you're gonna eat. What you're not gonna eat, it's not yours. It's not entitled. You're not entitled to it. It's something you should leave in the house. That's normal ethics. But here she did take with her. So they explained that halachically this is different because he clearly indicated that he wanted her to have it. So the mother-in-law said to Ruth, where did you collect today? Where did you do this? Where did you collect this? Uh, the one who uh, recognized you like this in such a nice way, let him be blessed. So Ruth apparently didn't know yet from this whole conversation with Boaz that he was a relative. All Boaz was saying to her, he's praised her for her actions, for her conversion. He heard a lot about her, but he wasn't telling her that they're actually related. But now, Ruth was telling Naomi who this man was. She told her mother-in-law what she did for him, that she uh, collected the the grain in his field. She said, the name of the man which I worked in his field, Tayyim Boyas was was his name was Boyas. When Taima Nomi so Nomi said to her, "Dorah lo baruchu he's blessed. Let me be blessed to Hashem." Ozav Khazdoi. He had this man Boyas has not left behind his kindness. with the living, with the dead. That means he did he did kindness with the living. That he gives us food. And with the dead, that he seems to care about us because of the relation that he has with uh, our husbands, our late husbands. But Taymela Nomi, and Nomi said, now the truth told, revealed to her, ish. this man is actually a relative of ours. Miguel is one of our redeemers. In Torah, in Tanakh, a redeemer is a relative. A relative is a redeemer. We find it in the Pasha, Pasha's. Uh, Bahar, in many places. The reason is, the reason is because a relative in Jewish tradition is not just somebody who shared the same gene pool coming from the same family, same ancestors, same grandparents. Um, there's a deeper bond in the neshamas of people that are related. So much so that there is responsibilities that are placed on relatives. To reach out to those that are um, that, that they are related to, and they call redeemers. So, in times of hardship, in times of adversity, they were uh, charged with responsibility to redeem the relative from their uh, mm-hmm. uh, point of distress. So, for example, if uh, somebody was murdered, it says it's the goyel adam. Mm-hmm. the closest relative has the responsibility to avenge the blood of of the relative that has been the victim of that murder. Terry calls him a goyel, he's a redeemer, a redeemer of the victim. Same thing, um, if somebody lost the field, they, they had to sell the field because of poverty, the Terry says ha the redeemer, because the relative is seen as a redeemer because there is a bond between the two of them. And the same thing with, with Leverite marriage, yibum he seems a redeemer is redeeming the legacy of his brother to marry the brother's wife who's become a widow and without children so the brother of the deceased uh, husband has to now marry her or give a chalitza But, but the idea is he's a redeemer so she told that he's a relative and he's our redeemer that means he's the future for us because he may be the one to marry you. He may be the one to redeem our property because we were forced to sell it due to poverty. We know that Tzfarim, um, I told you about Tanura already, and, um, and many Tzfarim who interpret this whole story allegorically see here the whole concept of redemption. Ha'ish is Hashem, Hashem ish Melchama. is one of our redeemers. And they see the whole story as the whole evolution of Golas and Redemption. They say a story that the, 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 Triska, Magid, the Triska Magid, was a Rebbe. He was one of the sons of Ramatala He was a holy man, a big tzaddik. He would always on Shavu's speak about Redemption. For him, the, the idea of the coming of Mashiach was always on the forefront of his mind, always passionately pleading, and he would always look on Shavuos, somewhere in Torah, in Tanakh, a hint that this year Mashiach will come. Before next Shavuos, Mashiach will be here. And he would always cite this Pasuk from Rus. <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem, Ish, is close to us. <speaking in> He's <Hebrew> he going to be our Redeemer. And he would find other psukim that allude to that year, that that year Mashiach is coming. So once Chassidim said to him, Rebbe, um, it seems Hashem is not listening to you because you've been doing this for years every year in Shavuos you say this year Mashiach will come and Hashem ignores you and a year goes by and the Mashiach didn't come so what's the point why you keep doing it so he answered like this he says that if a parent does something wrong which is halachically wrong you're not supposed to tell your parent you're wrong because it is respectful You have to do this in a more indirect way, in a more respectful way, without insulting them. You're supposed to tell them, didn't you teach me, it says in Shuchonoruch, in the Torah, so and so, didn't you just teach me this once? And the parents will get the hint. So he says, we do the same with Hashem. Hashem should have brought Mashiach a long time ago, but he's not bringing Mashiach. So we want to tell him that he needs to bring Mashiach. He's not doing the right thing. But he got to be respectful. He's a parent. He's a father in heaven. So we tell him, look, here in Torah it says Mashiach has to come this year. You, the Torah that you gave us, clearly spells out and says Mashiach needs to come this year. Is we're hinting to him that he needs to do the right thing. Anyway, let's go vaytechov right aleph, finishing the parikh. Uh, Vatoim Gam Kiomer Elayim Bucket Ruth the Mavia said. He also said to me that you should stay with the young men that are in my field and don't go to other fields. Until we finish the whole harvest, it's the season of the harvest. Until the end of that season, stay here on the field and come and collect what you need. But Nomi said to daughter, Biti, it's good, my daughter, that you should go with his." the young woman in his field. So so they, they they shouldn't meet you in another field. In other words, according to the Malbim, following his train of thought earlier, Ruth was saying again, he told me to stay with a young man. But actually, as we know from earlier, Bayaz told Ruth that he should not work and collect on the side of the men, she should go to the other side of the woman. Because she wasn't aware culturally that the laws of modesty and sneers was, was different in the Jewish community than in Moab. But apparently Ruth didn't get a hint of Boaz, And she kept saying again what she says in Chof Aleph. She says <clears throat> to, to, to Naomi, he told me to stay with his young man. She didn't understand that he was trying to emphasize stay with a woman, not with a man. She, he, she didn't register that. But Naomi understood the hint. She got it. And she said to us, no, no, no. She was trying to teach her very explicitly. This is the Jewish way of doing things. She has to abandon a little bit the norms of Mo'yav. Uh, Mo'yav society and begin to live up to the levels, standards of sneers in the Jewish community. V'la means... Um, <clears throat> They shouldn't, um, I think Mufashim say that <clears throat> other men shouldn't uh, harass you in other fields so that you be safe because Bo'yas will protect you. But Benar is and indeed she cleaved onto the young women that were working in Bo'yas' field. She collected for the entire season of the harvest of the, the barley. And then there was a season of the, the harvest of, of, of wheat. And she lived with her mother-in-law. It's the end of the Perik. Now, um, we know that Pesach time is a time for barley because that's when we bring the Omer from barley. And Shavuos is a time of grain of wheat. That's when we bring the Sh'te'a from wheat. We also know that barley is an animal food. And chitim is a human food, and chito is a is a metaphorically a reference to teira. Chito ches teshei is gematria twenty two, which is the twenty two letters of the teira. Some sefer says a fascinating thing. There's a gemara in brachas when it talks about dreams. Somebody sees barley in a dream. It means that his sins will be forgiven. And chitim it means that he'll have peace shalom. Hasam gevulach <laughs> shalom chilef chitim A in that chitim wheat is associated with peace, and sa'irim is associated with the forgiveness for sins. <clears throat> so in other words, he says that sa'irim is sur mira running away from evil like we did in Mitzrayim. And chitim is Matan Torah, because that's the Chitta, that's Shalom. Torah is brought to bring Shalom, to make peace. Peace not only in the social sense, but as Chazal always talk about Shalom ba'ilam is bringing peace between Hashem and the world, between creation and its divine source, to bring them together. So this 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 idea that if you see grain of barley in the dream, it's in the sins a forgiven. And Chitim, uh, and it's, it's Shalom, it's, it's very consistent what Hasidus says that barley and the time of Amikim Adab which is associated with barley, Da'imer, um, is a time of Iskafia, when there is a struggle with evil and we need to be forgiven. Whereas Chitim uh, is already someone who is in a state where they have been transformed. There's no more evil there. So the, the whole of Heide consists of being in Shalom to bring great more godliness in the world and make peace between Hashem and the world.